0: Welcome to the Finding Fertile Ground podcast, where I discover stories of grit, resilience, and connection. I'm your host, Marie Gigi, and this podcast is brought to you by Fertile Ground Communications. Please subscribe and leave us a review if you like what you hear. As a writer and marketing communications coach, I am fascinated by stories. I help people discover what makes them special and help them share that with the world. If you need help with your website, marketing materials, resume, proposal, or any kind of writing, look us up on Communications.com. This week, I interviewed Madison Ways, my youngest guest yet. Madison is a junior in high school, trying to figure out her life after the death of her father three years ago. Her friends didn't understand or feel comfortable with her grief and weren't very nice to her at a time when she needed them the most. She's been trying to rebuild a new life for herself, focusing on her schoolwork and developing a strong passion for social justice. She's cultivated a huge TikTok following with some controversial posts around inclusion, diversity, and politics, and some. her dad's death. She's come out as a lesbian. Let's meet Madison. Welcome, Madison. Thanks so much for being on my podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Where do you live? I live in Maryland. In Maryland. Okay, so it's a little bit later there on your side of the country than it is in mine. Are you very far from DC? Yeah, I actually am. I think it's a two hour drive to Uh DC from where I live. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about where you grew up? And what was your childhood like?
1: Yeah, um, I live in a very small town. Um, my childhood, I was a very happy kid. I was very close to my mom, both both my mom and my dad. We were very tight knit. I have half siblings who are a lot older, so it was just me, my mom and my dad for a long time. So we grew very, very close with each other and we just did everything together.
0: I think that you are definitely the youngest person I've had on my podcast,
1: so you get to be the first, totally.
0: <laughs> which is very cool. Yeah. So what did you love doing most when you were little?
1: I loved dancing. I I actually still dance today. I've been dancing for 12 years now, so I've, I loved it when I was little. I've grown a little bit out of it as I've grown up, but when I was little, I just ate, sleep, slept, and breathed dance, oh. and I... That was just my passion when I was when I was younger.
0: And what kind of dance was your favorite? Tap and hip hop. I actually interviewed somebody else who is from Virginia, I believe, who's a hip hop dance teacher. Oh, really? That's cool. I might have to pair your podcast together. <laughs> the dance, <laughs> the dance theme. Yeah, her name's Lauren Lauren De Vera, and she is Filipina, and she has kind of retooled her dance teaching online. So she gives online classes and. So tell us about your dad. What did you love most about your dad?
1: My dad was probably one of the kindest people I I ever met. Truly, he was the kind of person who would laugh at his own jokes. He would throw himself in front of a train for anybody. He truly was one of the best people I ever knew. He inspired me in so many ways to be a better person.
0: You're lucky to have a dad like that. That's wonderful. And tell us about when he got sick and when did he pass away?
1: Yeah, um, when he got sick, it was something that my mom noticed. I didn't really notice it. I I think I was 12 when he got sick. So I kind of just turned a blind eye to it. But it was like around that summer. And he went to the doctor and the doctor said that there was nothing. And then... I remember I was in a play. I was in 101 Dalmatians. At the time he went to the hospital and my mom told me after rehearsal and I just broke down crying. And I didn't, because obviously me being 12, it's scary to hear that your parent is in the hospital. I didn't know what was going on. I thought, you know, there's so many thoughts in my head. And then I heard there was fluid in his lung. And so they had to do surgery to take it out. And maybe about a week or two later, we walked into the hospital and my mom sat me down with my dad in the hospital room and told me that my dad had stage four lung cancer.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yes. And it was a genetic mutation in the P53 gene. And which is, there's only like like a few hundred cases of that that have ever happened. He did immunotherapy and that really jacked up his thyroid. Mm -hmm. So he stopped eating. He had less of an appetite. He was a big food eater. He loved food. So he started to get thinner and a lot more frail. He was supposed to take medication for it, but he said it made him really depressed. And so he stopped taking it. And so he went to chemotherapy and we kind of came to the conclusion, we meaning my dad and my mom, that it was killing him faster than the cancer. Hmm. So he stopped doing chemo. And there was a point in time where he couldn't get out of bed. He would stay in bed all the time and he wouldn't get up to do anything. I remember the day he died so vividly. My mom woke me up. It was probably 3, 4 a.m. She woke me up and she didn't tell me much until the next morning. But she just, everyone it was in the room crying. Of course, it was late, so I was tired. And everyone was in the room crying. I didn't really understand what was going on. And so I just asked to go back to bed. And then the morning after, she told me that he died.
0: Hmm. Now, how many years ago is this? I think we're coming up on the third anniversary of his oh, death. So you were about 14. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he lived for a couple of years after his
1: diagnosis. He
0: lived he lived sixteen months. Was that longer than they expected him to live without the treatment?
1: I don't know actually. I think that he lived pretty normally to what they would would expect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because I think we stopped treatment in August and then he died in December.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. What a devastating thing for him. I mean, you were going through adolescence at the time, which is already hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's just a lot for a young person to take. Boy. So what happened after he died? You mentioned that you had a difficult time getting support from your friends.
1: Yeah. A lot of my friends didn't understand grief all that much. The year after his death really hit hard. It was a the year of a lot of firsts. So that year just really sucked for me. I was really sad all the time. And, you know, there was visibly something very wrong with me. And my friends didn't really understand because they're like, oh, shouldn't she be done with this at this point? Like he died a year ago. Like, shouldn't she be over it at this point? And so a lot of them just stopped being my friend. A lot of them stopped talking to me. A lot of them didn't invite me to their houses anymore and left me out of a lot of things. And that also, during the time when I was grieving, that really hurt me. And because, you know, grief is a time when you need your friends to be there. And of course, when a lot of them left, that just really dumped a whole new pile of grief onto me. Because I, along with those of my dad, last, I lost a lot of my friends.
0: Mm, absolutely. I have a very good friend who lost a baby who only um, lived for a week. And he has a saying that I always think of around, these types of situations. And that is grief reorders your address book. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what happened to you. And it's so devastating to lose the people you thought you could rely on. Yeah. So how have you been trying to rebuild your life since then?
1: I've been trying, me and my mom have both been trying to figure out the things that he did on our own. Hmm. So he was transportation and direction. That was the job my mom gave him. So I've been trying to figure out directions. We go me and my mom go to New York a lot. Mm-hmm. And so we figure out directions. We get Google Maps up and we figure out where to go. And I feel pretty comfortable actually now around New York City. And that was something my dad did a lot. And my mom takes me everywhere I need to go. Actually, I just got my driver's license. So oh, I can congratulations. Thank you. So I can drive pretty much anywhere I want to go. But we're just we're just trying to Pick up the damage and trying to not move on, but move forward because you never really move on; you just move forward. Right. What do you like to do in New York City
0: when you go there? Are there things um, that remind you of your dad?
1: Yeah, we go see theater. We go see on um, Broadway shows, mm-hmm. and we go shopping. Shopping wasn't really a thing my dad liked to do, but my dad really did like theater. He-
0: well, that's a wonderful way to to memorialize him by going to the theater. So I know you are very active on TikTok you have 61,000 followers and four over 4 million likes. So how did you get started on TikTok? Was it related to your grief, a journey?
1: No, actually, I had musically, and I just kind of had it because all my friends had it. And then when TikTok came, I think it was about last year, I started getting a following. And it was just I just started growing on TikTok a lot. I didn't understand how because I've been, the main thing I started talking about was just kind of like me, just just my life and just random memes. But then I started talking about politics. And I think that is what really kind of got me the following that I have now, me speaking about political issues. What have been some of your most popular posts about? Like I said, they're just like kind of meme posts. I don't remember what they were about. I think one of them was just me reading off different memes I think that was the most popular one. Mm-hmm.
0: And what about controversial? You mentioned that some of them have been a little bit controversial.
1: Yes, I did make TikToks about the president and mm-hmm. you know why I personally don't support him, and that got a lot of likes and obviously a lot of backlash. But you know, I just kind of expect it because you know political issues are very prominent, and if you disagree, it's hell. Have
0: people been pretty unkind when they said you? messages on tiktok
1: yeah i got a lot of unkind um comments on my posts sometimes but you know you just kind of learn to deal with it mm-hmm. it's yeah. like when i've volunteered to text bank
0: you know, you're going to get really nasty comments. And there's something about being separated by a computer that makes it a little bit easier to take it. It's like, oh, you know, yeah. so you have gotten really involved in social justice. Yes. And was there a particular issue that sparked a flame in you for social justice? Or have you always been this way? I've always kind of been
1: this way, but I know I started to get super deep into it um, around the George Floyd killing happened. And that really kind of sparked my interest in political issues. Mm -hmm. I've always been very political, but this made me this kind of shifted the gears and made me super deep into political issues. And so I just it was obviously it was during quarantine. So I started doing a lot of research on topics that I probably wouldn't have researched before.
0: So I watched your TikTok video about your, I thought was very kind of made me cry a little bit, which was about your 17-year-old self waking up in your 13-year-old body and how much your life has changed since then. Oh, my gosh. Very mm-hmm. moving. And you also talked about coming out during that period. Yeah. Was that, mm-hmm. after, your, that was after your dad died, I take it?
1: Yes, that was after my dad died.
0: And can you talk a little bit about that process?
1: Yeah. I don't think it was it was something I would have explored without my dad dying. So coming out was probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. I lost a lot of, I didn't lose a lot of friends. I lost some friends. I live in a very conservative Christian area.
0: That must have been really awful.
1: Yeah. I had a friend who was a Mormon and she basically said that I was going to go to hell oh. and she called me different slurs. And really? Your friend did? Oh my gosh. And a lot of her friends also, who were my friends, um, stopped talking to me too. But a lot of people took it very well. A lot of people were like, oh, like nothing's changed. Like you're still you. In some ways, is the COVID
0: lockdown easier for you because you don't have to go to school?
1: Yeah, I'm very introverted. I'm a very introverted person. So when I heard that we got to stay inside for six months, I basically jumped for joy. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah, I saw that you said you're introverted and shy. You don't seem that way. I'm very um, shy. I'm, I'm the girl in school who just doesn't talk, who doesn't answer, who doesn't ask questions. I just sit there and listen to the teacher and do my work you're not that way on TikTok at
0: all. So tell me a little bit about that. What is it about TikTok that makes you feel like you can express yourself more openly?
1: I feel like because I'm talking to a screen and not an actual person, I feel more um, connected. Hmm. Um, I feel like I'm talking to someone I've known for years. Oh, that's amazing.
0: Well, I think it's really interesting because I'm pretty open on social media, and I'm also a blogger, am a writer, so I, I, you know, I, I talk a lot, very openly about things that I've gone through or my opinions, and a lot of people I know are very guarded with their own private information. I'm more like you that way that I'm like, well, I'm just, I'm who I am, and I'm going to share who I am, and if you don't like it, that's too bad. But I'm an extrovert, so I think this is really interesting that TikTok sounds like it's kind of a, feels like a little bit of a safe place for you. Yeah, have you gotten your mom on TikTok? No, I would rather she not have TikTok. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, that's that may be too uncool. My my kids know that I'm on TikTok, but I do not make videos for TikTok. That would probably really embarrass them. So. Yeah. I understand that. Do you have any lessons that you could share for other young people who are experiencing grief? Like lessons that you've learned, or you know, thoughts about how well, things that might help other people get through it?
1: Yeah, you're not. Crazy, you're not going crazy. I know a lot of times you feel like you're gonna go crazy or you're gonna go insane, but you're totally not. you're totally you're totally normal. Grief is extremely confusing. and I didn't I still don't understand it even though I've gone through it. I didn't understand it when I was going through it. Don't talk badly about your friends during the anger stage. That was something that I tend tended to do because mm. I didn't know how to handle it. And if I could give one piece of advice, it'd be don't don't talk badly about your friends. If you don't know how to handle a specific stage in your grief, talk to somebody about it and don't just internalize it. Don't let people tell you you're grieving wrong. There's no way to grieve wrong and there's no expiration date on your grief. You'll be grieving for the rest of your life and don't don't let anybody tell you anything differently.
0: That's some great advice. Personally, I love your political and social justice videos and posts. So like one of the ones I liked was having Trump's tweets in the background after he was diagnosed with COVID. So how are you feeling as a young person? How are you feeling about the state of the country right now? Are you feeling hopeful or in despair?
1: And just major despair. Mm -hmm. I think there's so many things that need to happen. And the government isn't doing any of those things.
0: Yep, I agree with you. Definitely. I
1: think something needs to happen about systemic racism. I think that the rich need to be taxed because trillionaires like Jeff Bezos shouldn't exist. That's my personal opinion. I definitely think healthcare needs to be way more affordable, if not free. Universities need to definitely be more affordable. We shouldn't have people living on the streets. Housing should be a lot more affordable. Those are a couple of my opinions, but there's just so many things going on right now in the country that just need to like stop. Like there's so many things that are completely avoidable, like definitely police reform, That is definitely something that needs to happen because in other countries, I know that you have to have a master's degree to be a police officer. And in America, you get six months training, I think. I saw
0: on one of the Black Lives Matter marches that I went on, somebody had a sign with the number of hours you need to be trained as a hairdresser, which is way more than to be trained as a police officer. Yeah. I totally, totally hear where you're coming from. I I feel for young people right now, and it's overwhelming to know even where to start. So many things wrong right now, you know? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And do you know what you want to do after high school? I want to be a lobbyist. What do you think about, I mean, lobbyists have to like go up and talk to people, (laughs) you know, what do you think about being shy and how you'll do that?
1: Um, we'll see.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cause I, you know, personally, my background is I am a shy extrovert. So I Mm -hmm. love to, I love to be around people. I'm very into connection, but I am kind of shy as well. So that sounds kind of scary to me, (laughs) you know, maybe you could be a lobbyist via TikTok or something like that. What do you think is uh, one of your superpowers? I don't know. That's
1: a great question. It's a hard question when you're 17, I think.
0: What do other people tell you are your strongest talents, for example?
1: Everyone says I always say the right thing. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I, I don't know how I do that. But when you lose someone, I think you just know what to say because you would want someone to say that to you so you just project what you're feeling onto other people
0: yeah so when they say that about you they mean that you know how to how to say the right thing to someone who's hurting
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah well i'm a big believer in people who have gone through a particular difficult experience supporting other people that way because as you know really if if you've never experienced losing a parent so young other people have no clue what to say to you right right yeah. do Have you ever seen that show, Never Have I Ever? I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. It's basically about a young person who loses her dad. Mm-hmm. And it's an Indian, Indian American uh, young, young woman. And yeah, you should check it out. I think you might like it because she goes through some similar things with her friends and the friends don't really get it. And um, I think it does a really good job handling grief from a young person's perspective. It oh, yeah, be, oh, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. That yeah. Have you read or watched anything recently that has inspired you?
1: Honestly, the movie Onward, I think that movie, it really hit like a soft place in my heart because their dad died and they um, had one day to spend with their dad. And they were like scrambling, trying to get that one day. And they ended up only having like a couple minutes to spend with him. But that just like, it really just hit a soft place in my heart because, mm-hmm. you know, that would be something I would do. If I could get one day left with my dad, I would take it immediately.
0: I bet. So what would you do with him if you had a day, if you had him back for a day?
1: Just talk to him about everything I've been doing. Tell him everything that's changed since he died.
0: You'd have a lot of catching up to do. Do you ever try to like communicate with him, like talk to him?
1: No, I don't know why I don't do that. I just kind of don't.
0: Tell me about a time recently when you felt great joy.
1: Yes, I actually just got accepted into the National Honor Society. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So I think that was just the last time I felt great joy. I was with my mom And we were eating dinner, and she got the envelope, and she started opening it. And then she was like, Madison, come here, look. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, that'll help you on your way to becoming a lobbyist. Yeah.
0: Do you have to go to law school for that? You can, but you don't have to. Uh, And are you thinking
1: about doing that? No. No. (laughs) Yeah, if you don't have to, then. A lot of lobbyists like to have that extra set of skills, but you don't have to Mm. to be a lobbyist. What would you like to lobby for? I think police reform.
0: Yeah, very important. So what is something that you wish people understood about you?
1: That I am constantly changing every day. I become a different person every day. With each day, I grow as a person, and I'm not the same person that I was yesterday or a week ago or two years ago. I'm not that same person, and I don't like it when people treat me like I'm that person mm. because I treat every day as a fresh start, and if you talk to me like you did two years ago, it just, it's really annoying to me.
0: You seem very mature, Thank you. Yes. And I think that anytime anybody goes through something like what you've gone through, it kind of makes you, it kind of made you grow up faster, probably.
1: Yeah. What kind of
0: music do you like?
1: I like indie music. I just find it really calming. And it really kind of grounds me.
0: Who are your favorite musicians? Do you have any particular favorites?
1: Yes. I like the Lumineers. I like Florence and the Machine. I like a singer named Jordan McCampa. And
0: so my final question is, so my podcast subtitle is Stories of Grit, Resilience, and Connection. So thinking back to your childhood and through your life, is there a particular story of grit and resilience that has been an inspiration for you in your life? Honestly, my dad. Did your dad have obstacles that he had to
1: overcome? Yeah, actually, my dad didn't go to college, Mm -hmm. and he wanted to be an IT guy. And so he studied day and night, and he became, an, he became an IT guy for the IRS. Wow, that's great. He had a really good head on his shoulders and that he was probably the nicest person. And he just inspired me to be such a better person. Oh,
0: that's a great grounding for your life. I'm so sorry that you lost him so early. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for your time, Madison. It's been great to get to know you. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this discussion with Madison. Since our interview was recorded, Madison has been inducted into her high school's honor society. She's still going strong on TikTok. Congratulations, Madison. I also want to wish Merry Christmas to all those of you who celebrate that holiday coming up. Next week, I interview Court Wakefield, a digital marketing leader in the healthcare industry and host of the For Folks' Sake, Cultivating Inclusive Communities podcast. After growing up and surviving life as a queer in the Bible Belt, they and their wife underwent three rounds of IVF, followed by 97 days in the NICU when their daughter was born far too early, like my own son. Their wife was hospitalized for 25 days at the same time, and court nearly lost them both. Thanks for listening to the Finding Fertile Ground podcast. Our music is by jazz pianist Jonathan Swanson. This podcast is brought to you by Fertile Ground Communications. Look us up on FertileGroundCommunications.com.